Good morning, and I've really been looking forward to uh, coming to be with you this weekend because things are changing in the world. And I want you, as uh, a group of God's people in Sun West here in Calgary, to be on the cusp of what God's about to do. Now, can I ask you, and think about this, if over the last year, 18 months, you've really been feeling in your spirit something is about to happen. You don't know what it is. It could be a personal breakthrough. It could be a, a lost one being saved or, or a financial breakthrough. But you know that you know that you know something is about to happen. Can you just put your hand up if you believe that? Yeah, quite a number of you. That's the Holy Spirit preparing you, I believe, to be obedient to what is being spoken, that you can step into what God's got for you. One of the things that's happening around the world, and it's, you know, this is not a, a doom and gloom message, but economists are saying there is going to be a financial crash. Uh, this is being uh, spoken about. Um, I believe uh, that Canada won't suffer as much as many other countries will. But there is going to be a change in the direction of the world economy. It's got to be restructured because it cannot continue to go on the way it's going because you can't run a, a good business in debt the whole time. So God has spoken in his word very clearly that there's going to be a change. There's not only going to be a change in the world's financial structures, but there's also going to be a change in the way that the body of Christ are blessed. Now, I like being blessed. Amen? I'm not ashamed of being blessed because my whole life's passion is to bless people and be blessed myself. I, I just enjoy blessing people. So, as everything else in God's word, there is a process to step into, not just being able to bless out of a few dollars, but to bless from abundance. Now, this is not a prosperity message. I want you to be very clear on that. It's a, a message that I'm going to be unpacking over the next three or four evenings, or three evenings, about the covenant of blessing. God struck a, a bargain, a contract, a covenant with Abraham and his seed that we, regardless of what was happening around us, move into the supernatural blessings. And I believe the body of Christ need to start to really expect the supernatural to take place in your life because you belong to a kingdom that is supernatural. Now, God is not going to ask you to do something that's impossible because God makes all things possible. He's just going to ask you to be obedient. And I believe no more time than now we've got to stretch our faith to see what God has for us, each one individually. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and you'll be soon be able to check out whether this is right or not. But if you come to the three meetings tonight, tomorrow night, tomorrow night and Tuesday night, in the next 72 hours, I will guarantee your life will change completely. I can say this because I've seen hundreds of thousands of people change their lives just within 72 hours or even 48 hours if I've only been there for two days. But there is something God wants to do, but he needs your obedience. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, Choose this day life over death, that's salvation, Blessings over curses. Now, a curse is simply a prevention of a blessing getting to you that God has assigned to you. 
So as much as you've got to choose salvation and move into that complete peace that no matter what happens to your life, you will be with the Lord for eternity. And I haven't met many Christians that are scared about dying. They know it's just a step forward into another dimension, another realm. In the same way, there is a covenant, a promise from God that if you start to focus on kingdom rather than your material self, God will bless you so that you can be a blessing. And there's an anointing, there's an open heaven ready for you to step into that. Now, what I'm going to teach over the next three days, I've been teaching for 25 years now and have been experiencing in my own life, it's not money that God releases necessarily. It's being at the right place at the right time to be blessed supernaturally. And those of you that are tithing at the moment know that you don't have to try to be blessed. Things just start to happen around you. But what I want you to change your mindset in is to expect to be blessed. Put a demand on what you're doing. Because the more you expect something, that creates an atmosphere for miracles to happen. So... In the light of what's going on around the world, and I don't need to focus on that, you know just as well as I do, how the world is changing and, and how the economy is so fragile, I want to take you into a place where you will start to see things change, not in the next few years or a few months, but in the next 72 hours. That's how quick, because the measure of your understanding is the measure in which you will receive. So I haven't come down here to raise the income of the church. Uh, that, I'm not a fundraiser. Whatever projects you may have, that is not part of my visit. The visit purpose is to purely lead you into a place of understanding this covenant that God has given to us for a reason. So obviously before you do anything, you need to know why you're doing it. I, I, I used to tithe because my mother told me to. But I didn't have a, an understanding of why I was doing it until I started to study the scriptures 20 years later and realized that what I'm actually involved in is a very, very powerful covenant with God to be a blessing. So, why does God ask us to tithe? And why does he um, put a covenant into place? Well, a covenant is very simply protection. Whenever you take a contract out with someone, it's put into place to protect you and to protect the other person's interests. And what God has done, because of the enemy's uh, influence in the world, if we are accurate, not legalistic, but accurate to this covenant, you will find that what you have will stretch further. Now, the principle of tithing does not promise you money it promises you to be in a position to be blessed because that's what the covenant is blessing. Money is included in it, your businesses, your jobs, and other areas. But we see, if we go right back to Genesis 3.1, that the serpent in the garden convinced Eve to take an apple or a fruit to her husband and said, look, the serpent said we can eat of this, uh, so let's have a go. But what God had said, do not eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you would die. 
but they ignored that. And in actual fact, it wasn't Eve's fault. A lot of people blame Eve for that incident, but in actual fact, it was Adam's fault because he didn't take his position as high priest of the house. Because he should have said, Eve, drop that uh, fruit. God said, don't eat of it. So what happened, they ate of that apple, and as soon as they did that, they stepped into disobedience, and God knew straight away there'd been a disconnect between him and Adam and Eve, his creation. So walking in the garden, he said, Adam, where are you? And Adam was hiding in a bush because he knew he was naked and he was in a sinful place. So God had to expel Adam and Eve from the garden. Now the garden, in Genesis 1.26, it says God blessed man. So what happened here, God had to put Adam and Eve out of the garden because it, A, he couldn't let them be blessed because they're in sin. He couldn't let them be blessed forever and ever because if they got to the tree of life, that would have been the case. And he couldn't have let them be there in a sinful state. So God put them out of the garden, away from the tree of life. And so they had to, as it says in Genesis 3.17, they had to live by the sweat and the toil of their lives. <clears throat> then Adam, he said, because you've heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. So God cursed his own creation because he had to put Adam and Eve out of the automatic blessing that he had prepared for man and woman. But God in his grace re-established that covenant of blessing with Abraham. Even though man had sinned and had broken that covenant, but the covenant that God established with Abraham was not automatic. It had to be activated. And through the generations, it had to be activated. Because if we don't activate it, it will not happen. As much as you are Christians, as much as you believe God, if you do not do what the covenant says you will not step into the supernatural blessings. And I've seen that for 25 years. The principle is that if you return the tithe to God, you'll be blessed. If you don't return it, return it God says you're cursed. That means the blessings I've got for you will not arrive to you because the enemy will somehow divert them. And that's why people at tithe say, well, I don't know how God does it, but my... Money seems to stretch. And people that don't tithe say, I don't know what happens, but my money disappears. And the reason is that because the tithe is holy, it cannot be spent by human hands on their own living expenses. It has to go back to where God tells us to put it. I'll get onto that later on. So the tithe is something that God gave... Um, Abraham, the opportunity to return. In Genesis 28, verse 18, it says, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you, Abraham, have obeyed my voice. And very clearly, what happened, Abraham, after he lost or won the battle of the kings, he got his property returned, his, his nephew Lot. And so when he returned from that battle, he met Melchizedek, who's a type of... Uh, Jesus, he was a king and a priest. He was the only king and priest that um, had the authority to make a covenant. 
He was the priest, that means an appointed priest, and, and Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek. And that gives it the generational line. Now, Melchizedek brought out bread and wine, which speaks of covenant and it speaks of new covenant. This I will be going into a lot more depth over the next three nights, but I just want to give you a, a sort of a rough outline and to get the blessings flowing in your life today. So Melchizedek was that priest, that uh, type of Christ that received the tithe on behalf of God and made that covenant. And then through two other requests that God uh, asked Abraham, the covenant was formed, which I should go into. But what I want to do this morning is just go through the principles of tithing, and I know this is being covered, but I want to just underline it because this is the sort of the closing of the series on the money. And I want to just look at the position of the tithe because a lot of people think, well, it's an Old Testament principle. And I want to show you very clearly that it's not only a New Testament principle, but it's actually required more than any other time in the closing of the age, which I believe we're in at the moment. So if you've got a Bible with you, with you if you'll open it up at the third book of Malachi, and if you don't have a Bible with you and you're visiting, if you just put your hand up, one of the uh, stewards will uh, give you one of the Bibles from our bookstore. And please feel very free if you're visiting and don't have a, a copy of the Scriptures just to take it away with you as a, as a blessing from Sunwest. Right, well, Malachi chapter 3. What, first of all, what is a tithe? A tithe is 10%. It's not nearly 10%. It's not starting at 2% and working up to 10%. It's straight away, it's 10% off the top. Because a tithe means a tenth part. So you can't give 8% because that's not a tithe. A tithe is 10% and it's from your gross salary. Now, gross means before tax. Now, I don't want you to start thinking, I can't see how this is going to work because I'm not managing terribly well at the moment, um, and I've got the tithe that I'm not giving. This is not an accounting process. This is a supernatural covenant that you're getting into with God. You'll never work out how it works, but I guarantee that it does, because I've been doing it from the age of 14. You would never go to a music teacher to learn the piano if he couldn't play the piano. That wouldn't make sense. I've done this. I'm not only speaking from Scripture, I'm speaking from personal experience. And God will back up what I say. Something is going to change in this house in the next 72 hours. That's why one of the members of the family need to represent here every night so you can get the full picture of what um, God is wanting to do with you. Now, the tithe is 10%. It's on everything. That's any financial gifts, any returns from the insurance companies, any pensions, any financial gifts. No matter where the money comes from, 10% is required to be returned. We don't give the tithe. It's not an offering. We return it, which means it's God's, and he wants it back. And then God says, when you do get it back, I will bless you. Where does the tithe go? 
It has to go to the storehouse. That is the church where you worship. So if this is your regular place of worship, the tithe has to come here because if it goes somewhere else, it stops its status as being a tithe and becomes an offering. You can't send it to a television evangelist. You can't send it to someone who's in need. It's got to come into the house of God. Because for every single person that tithes, the windows of heaven open wider and wider, not only over yourself, but over the church corporately. So if 60% or 70 or 80% of the church are tithing, that means the windows of heaven are open over the fellowship 80%. And that's when you start to see miracles, signs and wonders starting to happen because the heavens or the portals are open over you. Now, if you're a, a woman who is married and to a husband that's not saved yet, should you tithe his income? Well, the answer is no, because that would start World War III. You, you just tithe what you have. Even if you tithe from a $50 allowance per month as a young person, that $5 is just as powerful as someone that's earning 20000 a month and tithing 2000 it's not the amount, it's the accuracy in which you do it. And what I've done is for 20 years or 25 years, even more than that, I have written down exactly what the tithe is. So if I get $100 in, I'll write $10 in a column. If I get $5,000 in, I'll get 500 in the right-hand column. And then at the end of the month, I'll add it up, and then I can return what I know to be accurate. That's not being legalistic, that's being accurate and that's very important you know it's not being a legalistic thing it's a heart issue with God especially with the young people you, you you need to be involved in this with what's coming to the world in the next few months and years if you are tithing and someone upsets you in the church in leadership you do not show your disapproval by sending the tithe somewhere else because that is manipulating and you're doing something with God's tithe that is really not acceptable to Father. It's, if someone has upset you in the leadership, go and sort it out, but don't use that tithe as a weapon against the church because it will only backfire on you. Believe me, I've seen it. So just return to God what's his, sort out your domestic problems, but don't let them interfere with your covenant position with the Lord in this area and the tithe is a covenant connector it connects you to the power source because as soon as you make that connection you will start to feel something change if you've got a, a power plug and you plug it into a receptacle you'll get power if you plug one of the pins into one of the receptacle holes and the other just into the drywall Nothing happens. Why? Because you've not put the whole thing into connection with the power source. That's why you can't split your tithe, send it somewhere, 50% here, 50% there. It's got to be the entire connection. And then when you're starting to tithe, put a demand on that. Say, Father, I'm now in the position to be blessed, and I claim my blessings. And I'll be sharing a lot of testimonies over the next three nights which I just don't have time to share this morning I quickly want to go through a few verses of Malachi but I, I don't have as much time as I'd like because 
Normally it takes me about five hours to go through this. <laughs> but Malachi is an unusual book. It's the last prophetic book in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And it was written by a, a prophet called Malachi. And the, the book of Malachi is split into two halves. Chapters 1 and 2 was a rebuke that God brought at the time to the people. But chapters 3 and 4 are specifically and accurately aimed at the last days of the Christian church. In verse 1 of uh, chapter 3, it says, Behold, I send a messenger, and he will prepare a way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. That is Jesus suddenly coming back for his church, for his bride. So it puts this chapter very much in last day's context because verse 2 says, but who can endure the day of his coming? When Jesus does come back, it's going to be chaos on earth because millions of people are going to disappear. Verse 5 says, I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners. All these things we can see happening now. The perjurers, the number of people that have been released from custody because their evidence to put them in away was perjured. Against sorcerers, witchcraft is being exposed. And we understand now how witchcraft is operating in our society. Against adulterers, well, very rarely does a week go by without somebody in, in, in some sort of uh, government position or in the entertainment business or in commerce being exposed in the area of adultery. Because Jesus says, these things will happen just before I return. Because the Lord says in 6, I am the Lord, I do, do not change. Verse 7, he says, yet from the days of your fathers... You've gone away from my ordinances. Now, an ordinance is a spiritual law. There are man-made laws, there are physical laws, and if I was to walk off this stage in faith, one centimeter past the edge, I'd be flat on my face because gravity was stronger than what I believed. In the same way that if we start to mess with what God is requiring us to do, there will be penalties. We will not see the fullness of what God has promised us. Then in verse 7 it says, return to me and I'll return to you. What's God saying? I want something returned. You give me back what I require and I will give you back what you need. Then in verse 7 again it says, but in what way should we return? So God is wanting something returned. Then Malachi speaks from God. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Now God is clearly saying, you are not stealing from me, you are robbing me. That in law is permanently to deprive someone of their property. It never comes back. Robbery. Then God says, if you don't tithe, you are cursed. Or there's a prevention of blessings coming to you. Even the whole nation of you, because you've robbed me. That's why it was so important that when God put a curse on the ground, that curse remained in place for 4,000 years. The only thing strong enough to break the curse on the ground that God put on the ground was his own blood through Jesus. 
Because when Jesus was crucified, his blood was shed on the ground, and that's when the curse of poverty was broken. That's why Jesus was crucified naked. That's when debt was broken. All these things have been dealt with. We have now got to step into that and start to claim the promises that God has for us. They're there. They're, they're ready to, to be received. And I'll be showing you the, the three heavens and how they operate and how we can overcome the plan of the enemy to deprive you of what you need for the kingdom of God. Then it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The word all means everything, the full 10%. That there may be food in my house, that's provision. And God says, try me. God, there's no other scripture in the word of God where God says, try me. So what does try me mean? Well, it actually means try me. It means have a go. This will be a big step, uh, step of faith, but have a go. If God says, try me, have a go. You've got nothing to lose. There's no other scripture that make, God makes this promise. Everything else is done by faith. But here God says, regardless of what you think the tithe is, regardless of whether you think it's old covenant or new covenant, regardless of your theology, give me a chance to prove to you that I'm going to bless you. Sometimes blessings have happened in the same day, significant blessings. You just need to speak to other tithers to see how this works. And God says, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out so much blessing, there will be not room enough to receive it. And God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I had a 4 by 4 in the UK. It was diesel. I left it outside for 10 years because I didn't have a, a garage. And I was still on the original battery after 10 years. Well, that for a diesel, you know, three-liter engine is pretty unique. Because things last. Things don't break. God allows what you've got to stretch. Now, obviously, over the next few days, we're going to be unpacking this. This is just something I want to do because some of you may not be able to come. But please try everything to come. Now, you may or may not know that we are now in the year of Jubilee. After the last blood moon, that was the start of the, blood, uh, the year of Jubilee, which means God is going to do something for his people in that year. And in Jewish times, they used to um, declare the start of the Jubilee year, and this is after 49 years so it's quite important this year, they used to blow the shofar or the ram's horn to declare in the spirit realm that something is going to change. And I really want you to start to focus that something is going to change in your lives because you've got that expectancy. You know that you know that you know something is about to happen. So why not harness that expectancy with faith and think, could it be this that God is needing for me to receive the blessings that I'm expecting? Now, there's really no point me coming down here and spending a week in the church if nothing's going to happen. Is that right? Because if I came down again, then you'd say, well, it's nice to see you last time, nice to hear an English accent, but nothing happened. 
No point at all. God says his word will not return to him void. And this is the Sunday, I believe, that something is going to change. So what God needs from us is an intent. You've got to make a decision this morning. Am I going to have a go? Am I going to say, okay, Lord, let's, let's see what this man's got to say through your word. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to start to tithe. So the windows of heaven can be opened. Now, that you say in your own spirit, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. And just say, sorry, Lord, I haven't done it in the past. No back tithes required. You haven't got to go over the last seven years or eight years and say, well, I owe the Lord $15,000. No, it's clear. So you're starting off under an open heaven because nothing opens the windows of heaven other than the tithe. Clean financial record in a year of jubilee, and over the next two, three nights, we're going to be looking at how to establish that covenant, which will automatically take you into multiplication. If you think, well, this sounds too good to be true, it is true because it's the word of God, and secondly, we're not looking at it in natural ways, we're looking at supernatural. This weekend, I want to take you across that line of the natural into the supernatural. Whether you've done this before, whether you've even thought about it, you belong to a kingdom that is not natural, believe me. And I want to see this church thrive, I want to see it prosper, and I want to see miracles start to happen. We've got to break out of the shell of tradition and see what God says in his word. Now, are some of you, all of you, or a few of you, ready to have a go at this? Yeah? You've got nothing to lose. I'm not selling anything. In fact, even my books are free because if you come tonight, you'll be given one of my books which go through the whole of the covenant very clearly, which are normally $50 each, but tonight they're free. Well, was it 50 or was it 15? 15, that's right. <laughs> so uh, please come, you know, and uh, let's just see what God's going to do. There's going to be ministry time because a lot of you have been hurt financially. And that might be stopping you from going into a place of victory. We're going to deal with those financial hurts and you'll be set free. I know that. Amen? Okay. So what I'm going to do, I'd like you to stand up. And I want to pray a prayer. Because those of you that have purposed in your heart to change things, and, and I'd encourage you going to the church office and signing up so you can get the tithing system sorted out with your direct debit. Go to the church office, say, I'm going to be a tither now, because that's the first step of faith, actually not keeping it in your head, but actually stepping out. And I'm going to pray for you for the windows of heaven to open, and I'm going to blow the ram's horn, declaring the year of jubilee. And this is, I'm not going to play a tune. All I'm going to do is declare in the spirit realm that God is striking covenant with you this week. And you will feel something snap in the spirit. If you want to shout... Shout. If you want to declare what you need from the Lord, declare it. doesn't matter how you behave in the next minute. It's okay with the leadership. Okay? Good. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for your word. Your word says it will never return to you void. And Father, as we step into covenant, as we make that covenant connection with you, with the tithe, we know the windows of heaven will open. So in the name of Jesus, I declare the windows of open heaven open over Sun West. 
that the year of Jubilee be activated, debts be cancelled, jobs be released, and Father, untold blessings start not in the next month, but in today, the Lord, as we sound that release over this fellowship. Father, I want to thank you for the, the freedom here in this house. I want to thank you for the faithfulness of the people. But Lord, it's now reward time. For you are a, a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And Father, in the name of Jesus, as I sound the ram's horn, that there will be a release in the spirit realm, and the ministering angels will release, Father, those things that have been held back in the name of Jesus.